So this is from the series The Chosen, which is uh, highly popular and, and uh, uh, everywhere these seems these days. And so I, w- I want to make sure that we understand uh, where, where we place our authority or where we get our information uh, from. So let, let me read you uh, Luke chapter 8. And I'm just going to read one verse. I could read a few more, but I think you'll get it. It says, and Jesus is traveling around uh, uh, sharing his message about the kingdom, uh, this this good news of the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth. And uh, he's teaching these principles, and and people are being miraculously healed, and spirits are being cast out of them, all these kinds of, of, of really bizarre, what we think of as strange things. And then it says in verse 2, and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. That's the totality of the biblical record about Mary, other than her being mentioned several times after Jesus is uh, buried uh, and resurrected and stuff. And, and the, the creators of The Chosen do a phenomenal job, very creative, very unique and stuff. But, but I, I think we need to make sure that we understand that where we get our, our understanding is, is from the text of Scripture. This is, this is God's love story to us, not, you know... Um, a series that has got some very creative and very uh, imaginative type people helping us live out this biblical narrative. So let me just ask right now, what do you know about Mary Magdalene? And for those of you that are new, it's okay to speak here, all right? Uh, What do you know about Mary Magdalene? Say that. Greatest supporter, okay. Possessed by demons, perfect. Yeah, but what else do you know? She was a prostitute. Is that correct? <laughs> she knows the answer to that already. She's trying to help me out. She wrote a book. Um, so let's, let's stay on the prostitute for a second. How many of you, that, that seems to be a common understanding, Mary Magdalene, this is not a trick question, I'm not going to spank you or, you know, you know, that kind of, how many of you thought Mary Magdalene was a, a prostitute? Come on, raise your hand, yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah, all right. So, um, again, what, 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 where do we get our information from? It's like, uh, I would encourage you to go home. And read the four stories about Jesus' life. And ask yourself, do I see Mary Magdalene identified as a prostitute? Uh, She wasn't, actually. That became a common story in 591 A.D. A guy by the name of Pope Gregory I preached a sermon, uh, a message on Easter Sunday morning in 591 and identified her as a prostitute. And that became a part of the, the legend and lore of, of 
churchianity, in a sense, over the years. She really wasn't. We don't know. I don't know that she wasn't, but I don't know that she was either. So in light of that, I want to ask you at your tables, uh, most of you have phones, and um, some of you feel guilty about, you know, looking at them, you know, in this service. Others of you don't. Um, so I want to give you permission to open your phones up if you don't have a Bible with you today and turn to Luke chapter 8, all right? Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's the third story about Jesus in the second half of the Bible. So if you turn, if you have a Bible, you turned about the, the second third of it or the third third of it and look for Luke, Luke chapter 8. And, and you can read the, the first three verses there. And what I would like you to do at your table is spend a little time talking to one another, asking the question, what do you learn about Mary from this passage? All right? It's really simple, real brief. All right? So someone at your table located on their phone or the Bible that they may have brought with them and then read it out loud to one another. This is going to sound pretty crazy, you know, loud, but it's okay. And for those of you online, go ahead and find it. You may have to click away and find a browser or open up a Bible if you have one with you. And, and then once you've read it, I'd like you to look at one another. Um, and you can do this online in the chat or at the tables. And what do you learn about Mary from these words? All right, let's do it. All right, let's talk to one another. What, what do you learn about Mary? She's not a prostitute. Well, yeah, it doesn't say she is in there, is it? Not. She was. She's devoted. All right. Seem, seemed to be in a list of people who had money. Yeah. So. Strong. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't. That independent at first, was she? She was possessed. So what else do you learn about Mary? This, this is the talkative side of the room. This is the quiet side of the room. Are these the introverts over here and these are extroverts over here? What's the deal? Yeah. All right. She paid her own way. She paid her own way. All right. Where did Jesus? She was in that list of, of, of women. What else? Thankful. Resourceful, okay. Well, this is a creative table back here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yep. She lost seven demons. She was a woman who had suffered loss happily. I would imagine, right? She had. She had experienced. Pain, struggle, turmoil, and relief uh, because Jesus cast out seven demons from her. The reality is, in this materialistic world, we have to come to grips with the fact that there is something highly mystical about Jesus. He has power over the physical universe and the beings, whether they're material, like human beings, or immaterial, whether they're angels or demons, Jesus has power over them. 
and he relieves her of the turmoil and torment that these demons have, have given to her. And as a result of that, in her life, as we see, if you were to discover, how many of you know what a concordance is? You don't have to raise your hand. A concordance is like an index in the back of the Bible. You know, concordance is a religious word for index. And uh, so if you turn in the back of most Bibles, there's an index there, and you could look up Mary. As I said, there are a lot of Marys, and it does, in, in my Bible, indicate Mary of Magdalene and the 12 places where she's mentioned in there. And you could take and outline those. I mean, outline, but you could write those out if you wanted to, or you could just you know, use Google and search for the places that Mary Magdalene appears in the Bible, and it'll give them to you. And you could go read them for yourself. You know, I, I use the word, get your fingerprints on the Bible a lot from this stage, because I believe that people need to be reminded more than they need to be informed. And, and the fact is, is that what we see in Mary throughout the, the record of these 12 incidences is Mary is someone who has had an encounter with Jesus. The encounter with Jesus is so stunning and so life-changing that Jesus becomes her first option not her last resort. And that's the question that I want us to, to sort of deal with today. And, and the question I want to leave uh, here today with is just asking that question. Is Jesus, is the kind of relationship that you are cultivating with Jesus, is he your first option or is he your last resort? Because Mary had this, this kind of encounter with Jesus where a couple of things became true. Um, she, she recognized who she was. She was a woman possessed of some evil spirits. Now, my guess, again, my guess is, is that Mary had cultivated a life that allowed those evil spirits to live in her world. And when Jesus came along, she was tired of being possessed by those evil spirits. And so in that encounter with Jesus, she clearly knew who she was. Wasn't shading it over. Wasn't trying to put on airs about it. Wasn't projecting an image of someone who she wasn't. She was pretty clear about who she was. And that encounter with Jesus changed her for the rest of her life. She came to believe and live out and to trust in Jesus as being her first option rather than her last resort. And we can see that not in the text of Scripture, but in the chosen, they've imagined that for us, what it looks like for, for Mary to have that kind of unique, radical change in her life. Let's take a look at that. It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. 
I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. I, I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense. I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you you are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. That makes two of us. <laughs> How long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. redeemed and it was so who did this I don't know his name and even if I did I could not tell you why not his time for men to know has not yet come it's time for men <laughs> he, he performs miracles and Seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I... I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I have to be home to prepare for Shabbat, as I'm sure you do. So mended you're even hosting Shabbat dinner. It will be nothing like yours, I'm sure of that. But I'm going to try. Shabbat Shalom, Mary. A couple weeks ago, I'm on my way here. Um, I have this routine. I'm forever in routines, and so I flip through Starbucks on my way here early in the morning because I, I need that little bump of caffeine quickly before I get here and I'm I drive into the Starbucks in Liberty uh, I always turn right instead of left so I turn right into the Red Robin parking lot and and go around that way um, and so as I'm 
wheeling around the Red Robin parking lot. It's not a custom for me to be this perceptive, but I notice that there is something odd in the parking lot. It doesn't belong there. And so I stop, and my wife thinks, what are you doing? And I make a U-turn and wheel back around so that the object is right at my door. I open my door. I get out. And I'm always looking to find things. I, I love finding things. If you play golf with me, I, I think I like finding golf balls more than I like golfing. Uh, I, I just, lost things have always been profoundly important to me. And I look down, and I reach down, and it's a wallet. Just a really nice-looking wallet left, you know, right there in the Red Robin parking lot. And so I get in, and I get here. I open it up check to see if it has anything valuable in it. Uh, and uh, I, I call my daughter because she's a, like a Facebook sleuth. I said, hey, look up this name of this person here because I think I have their wallet. And so she calls him and uh, wakes him up, actually. And he, he, he says, who is this? And she goes, did you lose your wallet? He goes, I don't think so. And she goes, are you sure? And he says, who is this? He says, well, uh, my dad was driving through the parking lot at Red Robin last night, or this morning, and found a wallet with your name in it. Send me a picture of it. He still thought it was some kind of, you know. And so, so I, she says, he, he wants a picture of the wallet. So I send him a picture of the wallet via Facebook Messenger, and I get this message back, oh, my God, it is mine. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, within 30 minutes, he lives way out north, like in Holt or something. Within, within 30 minutes, he's here uh, to get the wallet. And, uh, and so I, I, I give him the wallet, and he's so profoundly thankful. And, and, and for him, he's come into a holy place. You know, he's, he's come into like, oh, oh, bless you. Uh, uh, you know, all this other crap, you know. And I'm going, dude, get over this, you know. And, and, and he quickly takes it and leaves. And, and so I send him a message on Facebook Messenger. And I said, hey, uh, I, I just want to let you know um, that there's only one reason why you got your wallet back. I said, there was a time in my life when I would have picked your wallet off that parking lot. I would have opened it up. And I would have looked through it for everything that I could think of that would be valuable to me in my future. I would have tossed your wallet and you would have never heard from me. But I said, because I met Jesus, you got your wallet back. The only reason is he's the one that's in between that life that I used to live that was just basically self-centered. I, I wouldn't have seen anything wrong with it. I think idiot lost his wallet, deserves to, you know, suffer the pain. And I think I deserve to gain the credit for this stupid idiot's, you know, deal. So I'll take what, what I, is mine now because he gave it away. Um, and, uh, and he could go on with life. Jesus wouldn't allow me to do that. He was, he was really the one in between. See, that's the, the uniqueness about Mary that we find in her life. She was a mess, all right? 
whether it was of her own accord or not, we don't know. Uh, she, she was a literal mess. And she met Jesus, and he changed her life. You know, John has this uh, great little phrase that he says in the verse, first chapter. You, you've heard me talk about it a lot. Um, but in John 1.12, John says, to, to as many as trusted in Jesus. To as many as began to live as if what Jesus is saying is true. He gave the right, the privilege to become a child of God. And that's what Mary experienced. It's what it was like to be a child of God. To, to have this favor of, of, of a creator in heaven, to have the kind of unending love, irrational, but unending, that would allow us to experience the, the privilege of living in God's favor in this world and the world to come. But the danger that I think most of us face is, is that we think of Jesus as someone who really comes to bear at the end of life rather in the middle of life. We think of him as something that, that we're going to need later when it gets crucial because no one gets out alive, right? None of us come out of this thing alive. We are facing a terminal point. And at that point, I'll need Jesus. But Jesus didn't come for that. He came to heal the sick. He came to cast out demons. He came to make messes better. And the access to that has nothing to do with you and I. The beauty about Mary is that she knew she was a mess. She owned it. And she experienced the word she used, she was redeemed. She was bought back from a different kind of life into a new kind of life, a life that, that now had features to it that she did not believe could ever happen before. She knew she couldn't earn it. She knew that it wasn't available for her to kind of get on her own accord. It was simply the encounter with Jesus. Mary was one way. And now she's another. And there's this moment in between. This, this moment that allows us the opportunity to have Jesus not as our last resort, but as our first option. And so today as we finish, that's the question I want to leave with you. I, I, I really want uh, to sort of elevate your Understanding of where Jesus belongs in your life. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus a long time. But maybe that question does irritate something deep inside you. You say like, yeah, I, 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 I think I've gotten to a space where Jesus is not my first option. It's my counselors my first option. It's my friends that are my first option. It's my phone that's my first option. It's my DVR that's my first option. I've got options, and Jesus is just one of them. He's not the first of them. I think the reason why most of us 
find ourselves not experiencing the kind of Jesus we read in the Bible is because we don't consider him our first option. When our issues mount, we turn to humans before we turn to him. He, he doesn't have the chance to cast out seven demons from your life or whatever is, is you're struggling with or whatever is messing you up. He doesn't get that chance because he's not the first option. He's only the last resort. And beginning to understand what it looks like to cultivate that kind of friendship with Jesus. You know, I mentioned the app earlier. And on the app, uh, there's a space called resources. And if you turn to that space, you, you begin to see that there are some easy ways to access God. He's right here. He, he wants to not only be present in the word, but in the spirit in your life. He wants to be not only the God of the objectivity, but the God of the subjectivity. He wants to be material and mystical at the same time. But the question is, if he's not the first option, he doesn't get that opportunity. Because we're so easily seeking solutions in other directions. And so I would love for you, if the question, Jesus is not my first option, he's my last resort, if that, that question irritates you, which I hope it does, that's a gift of mine. It's a gift of irritation. You'll find it in the scripture someplace, I'm sure, if you look. Then open up that app, turn to the resources, look at how to get your fingerprints in the Bible. God wants to have a relationship and he wants to speak to you, not through me, not through a podcast, not through a video, not through a, uh, some spiritual thing. He wants to speak to you directly. And he wants to convince you that he can be your first option. He is trustable in every way. Mary is a, is a story that stands in history to help us understand. You can be as messed up as her, and yet Jesus wants to show up in that mess. He wants to be both a savior, a redeemer, a leader, a counselor, and a king all at once. The question is, will we choose Jesus as our first option and not our last resort? Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, the, the creators of the chosen and what they've done to uh, sort of give us a three-dimensional picture of this. Um, we, we realize that that unless we hear from you directly, unless we cultivate habits of getting our own fingerprints on this love letter that you sent to us called the Bible, that we tend to live a life as Jesus is the last option. We have a little religious patina on our lives, but, but scratch the surface and there's no sense of peace. 
There's no sense of centeredness. There's no sense of purpose. It's just one of many things that we paint into the surface of our lives. And so, Father, as we end today, as we contemplate the words of this last song, we give you permission to drill to spaces that we have shut, closed off, locked down, to drill into those dark spaces in our lives where you want to bring hope, where you want to bring the kind of healing that requires that we acknowledge that they exist. Father, we want you to be our first option, not our last resort. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.